Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast, my podcast loved ones. It is so good to have you here. Today, for episode 219, we are speaking with Bridget Esselmont, who is the author of the number one Amazon best-selling books, The Ultimate Guide to Tarot Card Meanings, and The Biddy Tarot Planner, and the brand new book and tarot deck, Everyday Tarot. A professional tarot reader for more than 20 years, Bridget founded Biddy Tarot in 1999, where each year more than 4.5 million people, 4.5 million people, are inspired to live more mindful and enlightened lives using the tarot as a guide. Bridget believes anyone can read tarot. She doesn't own a crystal ball nor a crushed velvet dress. She's simply a down-to-earth practical Taurus who likes to use the tarot cards in everyday life. But when she's not reading tarot, Bridget loves spending time with her two daughters and husband on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. I loved, loved this interview with Bridget because this is one of the first podcasts we've ever had on the Mind Body Musing show where we talk about tarot. And one of the questions I specifically wanted to ask her was about combining a religious background or a religious practice with tarot. Can the two coexist together? Can you use tarot whenever you are also practicing religion? Does it really matter? Are they kind of the same? I don't know. All these questions get answered in today's podcast. So if you are a tarot professional, if you are a tarot newbie, or if you've never even heard of tarot before, get ready for a fantastic episode with one of the queens of tarot deck reading. But before we head on over, as always, we're going to hear the review of the week. And this comes from Felix and Flight. And they say, Maddie is the muse I've been waiting for with five stars. As someone dealing with anxiety and depression, as well as an oppressed religious upbringing, it's so nice to have someone to look to for guidance that doesn't spend the entire show bad-mouthing the religious side of the spectrum. I agree with her on all accounts, but it's nice to know she doesn't alienate one group of people just because of her bad experiences. It really helps keep a positive mood to the podcast where others may spend so much time and negativity that it distracts from the main point, self-help and growth. Maddie is so empowering to me and women in general. And in the short time I've been listening, I've learned so many help self-help methods to get me through life one day at a time. Thank you so much for this podcast. I'm so thankful to have found you. Thank you, Felix and Flight. And how funny that I picked this review for this show. I hadn't read it. in in advance. So I just decided to start reading a review and it happened to be this one about oppressed religious upbringing. And that's so true that I would never, ever want to badmouth any religion or any background or any beliefs simply because maybe they were part of my journey and they didn't work for me, but I know they work for so many people and I love that. And I want to welcome that into this show. And I hope that me sharing my religious upbringing in this particular episode of the podcast gives you that same feeling of knowing that I support it and I support whatever is the best for your path. And I just want to bring more love into your life. So hopefully Felix in flight, this episode helps you if you're interested in tarot as well with your own background and your own beliefs. And you can learn to combine the two if you so desire. The only other announcement I have is that in a recent episode, I told you that I was launching a group coaching program and I just wanted to share that that's been put on pause. (laughs) That's been put on pause. I have realized as exciting as that does sound for me and as much as I do want to create this group coaching program, right now my calling, my desire, my purpose, my passion, my focus is so intensely on -on one-on-one and I want to give my one-on-one coaching the attention it deserves and the integrity it deserves. And for me being one human um, and not having this ginormous team, I know that I want to keep my focus on where I am truly thriving in my gifts and my skills. And that's with my one-on-one coaching and my podcast and my retreats. So while group coaching is something I will do in the future and it will be called Kinetic Queens because I love that name, uh, I'm going to put that on hold for now. So if you are interested in working with me, one-on-one coaching is the way to go. I currently have two spots available as of right now when I'm recording this. So if you would like to read testimonials and hear all about what's included in my one-on-one coaching, go over to maddiemoon.com slash coaching and you can apply at the bottom of the page. And I will get back to you with more questions so I can dive in deeper with you before we have an intro call. All right, that's all I have to share today. Let's go hear from Bridget herself. 
You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. All right, and we are back here on the podcast with Miss Bridget. Welcome to the Mind Body Musing Show. It is so good to have you. How are you today? I am good. I'm wide awake. It's 7.30 in the morning here, so it's always nice to be doing um, an interview or a chat uh, early in the morning because I'm at my freshest, so it's, it's great to be here. Yeah, I find it to be a bit of a hit or miss for me. I love doing the, the bulk of my work in the morning, like around right now, 3.30 here um, in mountain time. I get a little bit sluggish because my brain's been like... I heard that by 1 p.m. every day you've made like a thousand decisions which totally blows my mind so I'm so with you there on the early morning clarity yeah yeah and I think even different different people will have their different productive times I don't know I've seen all sorts of like um body charts about where you are with your body and and you know when your peak times are I know for me it's definitely morning so this is a good time yeah, and some people are like, well, I do the best work at 5 a.m., at 4 a.m. Some people are like, 2 a.m. is when my creativity strikes. I, bodies are so interesting. I, I find that fascinating. I've always been a morning person, very much not a night person at all. But anyways, I want to back it on up here, and I want to hear about your beautiful background, how you got so interested in tarot, and how you, you got to this place you are at today with being a a beautiful teacher on all of these wonderful lessons on how to interpret cards. So what's your story? What's your background? <laughs> so it all started when I was a little baby. No, um, back actually back when I was a teenager, I was interested in all things spirituality and even all things like religion. So I went to a school where we got to experience and learn about different religions, which I found fascinating. Um, I, you know, got really into the Bible and understood um, Christianity and I looked at Buddhism, at Taoism, at Hinduism. And then at the same time, being a teenager, I was also looking at Wiccan and paganism and, you know, things that were probably more deemed like rebel type um, uh, religions or, or belief systems. And it was a few years after, you know, doing a bit of dabbling in the spirituality space that I came across tarot. So I had this tarot reading. I was about to head off on a high school exchange. And of course, I wanted to know what would happen and, you know, would there be anything exciting coming along? Um, And so when I, just before I left, I had a tarot reading and the lady said to me, wow, you know, the emperor card, you're going to meet like a really nice man. You're going to connect in a really beautiful way. And like, this is real. This is like love. I was like, oh gosh, you're just telling that to everybody, but no. Um, I went over to Germany for the exchange and fell in love. Um, I wish I could say, yes, it was then my husband. It's not quite that romantic, but we certainly had a beautiful um, a beautiful relationship as, you know, 18-year-olds do. Um, but anyway, I came back from that trip and I thought, wow, this like tarot thing, this is cool. And so I started to teach myself how to read tarot. I got all the books. I got, you know, a deck of cards. And I went into this kind of crazy flurry of trying to learn and memorize all of the cards. And I don't know if you've gone through that pattern as well, Madeline, where you just get into like, I've just got to remember every single card, but you get completely overwhelmed. And I just kind of hit a point eventually where I realized like oh this doesn't quite feel right it doesn't feel like this beautiful intuitive experience that I was expecting from the cards 
And so I made the decision to kind of put my books away for a little bit and just do my readings quite intuitively, like really feel into them. And once I did that, that was when things really started to turn around for me and my readings just felt so much more in flow. And when I was in this mindset too, I started to really understand more about tarot and see this great connection to spirituality. So everything that I'd learned as um, you know, as a teenager through different religions and spiritual systems, uh, I could start seeing that unfolding in the tarot. It just like it, it is amazing. Um, but yeah, so after doing, after reading, like learning how to read for myself, I then started a website, which is now Biddy Tarot. And it was really where I was sharing my notes and learnings and lessons as I was learning along the way. And then over the years, that started to grow into a place where I was doing professional readings and now where I'm teaching other people how to read tarot, particularly from a more intuitive perspective. And so now we have a heap of online courses, books, uh, a membership group, and even a certification for tarot readers. Mm. Yeah, I was on your website the other day and I I downloaded a few things and I, rem- I remember seeing um, you giving the specifics of tarot and like what this card means and what this card means. And then you said, now use your intuition and what does the card mean for you? And I appreciated that so much. And, and like you were saying, like, you don't know if I've experienced this. Oh yes. I have so experienced the feeling of studying something and wanting to be by the book about it and remember it all and, and know it, know it, know it, know it. And it's interesting cause I actually, pretty interesting timing because you reached out um, around the same time that I started taking my first mini tarot course. There's like Mm. a six week course that I just signed up for and nothing super professional, but I did want to be able to understand tarot a little more because I've been using a lot of Oracle cards. And I think that'd be interesting for us to talk about the difference between the two. But um, with the the tarot course, I had to take a little bit of a break because I was like, trying to know what they all meant and I just couldn't focus so much and give it the time that I wanted to to devote to it but then I when I was reading your perspective on on making sure you bring your own intuition into it I so appreciate that I think that that's bringing people back into into being their own guide rather than the cards always being the guide it's it's the cards can be the guide for you being the guide. It will encourage your own intuition rather than the other way around. And I so love that. Mm, Actually, I'd love to just talk about this for a little moment because I think this is a really important distinction because I think a lot of people go, oh, okay, tarot cards. Oh, you just go and tell them a future with those or, you know, tarot cards are evil. And I think what's happening when people are coming at it from that perspective is they're seeing tarot as this yeah, external validation or external tool. So you might go to the tarot and go, well, should I go away this weekend? Should I change my job? And then you're consulting the cards and then you say, oh, well, the tarot said I should do this. right? So when we're doing that, we're putting our power outside of ourselves and onto something that is not part of who we really are. And I often think that that's why people think that tarot cards are evil because we're actually again, putting that power outside of ourselves. However, the way that you can switch it around is if you're using tarot more as a tool, as a way of reflecting into yourself. So I often talk about um, tarot as a mirror to the soul. And mm. when you're using it in that way, then the power goes comes from within. And it's not so much about the tarot cards, but it's more about the process that they facilitate within ourselves. And for me, that's where the magic happens. It's when we're using these cards to really go deep within and go, right, like what, what is it that I already know about this situation? And, you know, the cards, the visual elements of the cards are helping us go deep into our subconscious mind and extract what we already know. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the, the power of the magic really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we are all using a tool in some way. Most of us are using a tool. We find our tools in different ways. Like um, some people feel really empowered by holding certain crystals. And if they're holding a rose quartz, it might 
make them be more conscious of their self-love that day. It's not hurting anybody. It's not coming directly from the um, from the crystal, right? And so some people would say even that's evil. That's bad. The crystals aren't doing that stuff. How can you believe that? But no, it's it's not hurting anybody. In fact, it's totally lifting up this person's spirit and giving them more self-love simply because they're thinking of it. They're probably walking throughout their day thinking of having an open heart, giving love to people. That crystal's helping them feel that way more, but the crystal's not doing it themselves. And so for some people, it might be finding pennies, like lucky pennies mean certain things to them. And then there's the tarot cards and then there's astrology and we're all finding different tools that really resonate for us to be able to be our own intuitive guides. Mm. Something that I, I wanted, I really have priority in this conversation of wanting to talk about is this religious piece. I was raised in a Baptist family, a long line of Baptists. I'm sure they go from my grandpa, great grandpa, great, 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 great grandpa. Like, I don't know, but lots of Baptists in my family. And um, man, Tara was like the evil of most evil, 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 like just awful. Like if my, one of my parents ever even heard the word tarot, they go, ew, gross. And like my sister, if we walk past like the tarot section at a bookstore and I'll be like all giddy, like we love these. She'll be like, oh no, disgusting. Like, you know, and, and I'm so, I've moved so past that, but I know there are so many people in my audience who either are religious or they are navigating into a more spiritual realm or they're trying to find a way to have their beautiful religion um, or their beautiful spiritual mindset and be able to bring in these tools that work for them and, and bring in tools and have fun with them. But maybe there's still that layer of judgment of I can't be a Christian and do tarot or Catholic and do tarot or I'm not a good Baha'i um, follower if I'm if I'm doing tarot. So what are your thoughts on tarot in regards to people who have these religious backgrounds? Mm, I've been digging into this quite a bit because it just, it perplexes me. I, I don't understand the resistance between something like tarot, which to me, when you're using it in a way that's helping you reflect into your soul and who you really are, to me, like you couldn't be closer to God when you're doing this mm. kind of work. Yeah. And I just, I really struggled with it. So I actually went through, started doing like a search through the Bible. Number one, tarot cards aren't in there. I could not find the word tarot, <laughs> mostly because tarot was created after the Bible was created. Um, but I did a little bit more digging and the concept of divination often comes up and about omens. And my understanding is that when we seek to propel ourselves into the future and predict the future, then that's acting in a way that's outside, that's out of alignment with God. Because from what I understand is that, you know, it's really only God that is creating the future or that has, is holding the space for the future to happen. I believe we also have our free will that helps create things as well. We're in co-creation mode. Um, so what I feel like is that when we start thinking about like, well, what's going to happen in my future? Again, we're separating from who we really are, which is us in this present moment, and we're projecting ourselves into a part that's not really us yet, um, or we're trying to control things, or we're trying to step into the shoes of perhaps what God is meant to be playing, and maybe that's where the misalignment comes from. So for me, if like if that's if that's something that's in resonance then it really comes back to how are you using the tarot cards? Because, yes, I do believe you can use tarot cards in a way that it's not healthy for you. Um, if you can't make a decision without reaching for your cards or your crystals, you know, if you can't feel love unless you've got your rose quartz, then there's something wrong with that. That's That doesn't feel good for me. Um, but when you're using tarot to pause, reflect, come into your highest good and be the best version of yourself that you can be. I cannot see what is wrong with that. Like it just perplexes me. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the challenge that, um, or even the dilemma that um, people who have religious <clears throat> beliefs face, 
the pro like the challenge is that there's so many pieces say in the bible that are kind of like oh don't do divination this stuff's not good um god's going to penalize it it's confusing because you think well point blank i can't have this in my life however i think if we look at the deeper layers i think there's much more of a connection between the two and there's ways in which you can use cards that will help you get a deeper connection with God or your God or the universe or source energy, whatever it might be. Um, and again, it does come down to the individual. If if I meet someone with strong religious beliefs that says Tara is evil, I'm like, that's fine. Totally get. You've got your belief system. I have mine and that's fine. We just won't talk about this anymore because <laughs> yeah. we'll get frustrated. Yeah. Um, but if, if you as an individual can find that beautiful space in between awesome I think that's probably one of the best places to be Mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's a beautiful unpacking of that um I'll speak from my own perspective I think so one of the most important things for me on this spiritual journey has been to differentiate between what's mine and what is my family's And that's a journey we're all on, right? Like figuring out, is this my belief or was this passed down to me? Okay, what about this one and this one? And when it came to tarot, crystals, astrology, all this, what they call new age, but what is actually quite old, um, I had to really ask myself, am I going to adopt this belief of this is from evil or am I going to release those beliefs and have a blank slate and come to my own decision. And every time I've pulled a card, it's brought me love. It's just brought me closer to God. Like you said, you said something so beautifully profound of just, um, it it brings you the closest to God anytime we're, we're going deeper into our own heart's truth. And I don't, I can't imagine anything evil coming out of pulling a card that says, love yourself deeper. Or you today you have this priestess energy, which is like more love, right? And, and if you find some sense of calmness in it or peace or comfort or guidance and you're not hurting anybody, you get to decide what that means for you. And, um, you know, to be very honest, like the thing that I was told as a child was that tarot and palm readers and psychics, that's all the devil's work. But I also have to to remember, which is crazy to me now as an adult, but if a magician was too good at being a magician, my family would say that they sold their soul to the devil. And Ooh. I grew up thinking that. So even to this day, as a 27-year-old, if I see a magician that's really good, I'm like, oh, he must have sold his soul to the devil. Like, it's no big deal. But then I have, to, then I remember, I'm like, oh my God, like, ah, oh, those beliefs are still in there. And then I shake it off and I let it go and I love myself and I realize, like, that's crazy old family stuff. It's not mine. Um, and just have, have compassion for yourself as you realize these beliefs that aren't maybe yours and they are your families and letting them go. Because I know magicians are, they have a this skill, they have a gift, they have a craft. But I know that I was raised in a way that was anything that was even in the realm of, of magic um, is, is the devil's stuff. And which is so, of course, magic's like one of my favorite words now. That, now that I've really let all of that go and stepped into who I am as a woman, like I've claimed the word magic. I love magic. I love things mystical and exciting and fun. And so my encouragement is to anyone in this space is to allow yourself to have that differentiating process and discover for yourself. Mm. And I, I think we just have to question everything and, and really get into the core beliefs because, again, I think oftentimes with religion you can kind of just take it at face value or what, what you're being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really believe in questioning things, being curious and finding what do I believe in this system so there's, I think there's fabulous things about religions. All the different religions have beautiful aspects to them. Um, for me, it's always been about what do I really believe? And actually, when I was over in Germany, when I was 18, um, I was staying with my boyfriend's mum then and, and the family. And I remember once she asked me, oh, so Bridget, what, like, what religion are you or what do you believe in? And I turned around to her and said, you know what? I'm Bridgetist. 
because mm. I choose what I want to believe in. And, you know, even though it was kind of an off-the-cuff remark at the time, it's it's so reflective of how how I look at the world, which is that I'm going to choose what I buy into and what I'm not. And I think more and more people are making their own individual choices rather than having it passed down to them or told this is the way that you need to think and believe. Uh, I think we're really questioning things and I think that's really exciting. Yeah. And so, so the, the, the point of all this is that you can have religion and you can also love tarot and you can also love crystals. You can make it work for you. If it's bringing you closer to God, yes, rock it. I love that. Um, so another question I wanted to ask, could you give us a little bit of insight into the history of tarot? Where did this come from? Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> there's all sorts of stories about where tarot has come from. Oftentimes people say it's from Egypt. Apparently, no, it wasn't. Um, it's more back from around the 1400s. The um, tarot cards were used more as a card game, and that's why you see a lot of correlation between the tarot cards and, like, a normal deck of playing cards. A deck of playing cards could actually be used like the minor arcana um, in, in tarot. Um, they're just not as pretty. So they started off as uh, these playing cards. And then also you've got the 22 major arcana cards, which are much more like elaborate in their the visual element and oftentimes a much deeper message, more about karmic lessons and themes that are happening in your life. So these major arcana cards um, came about uh, around that time too. And it's Again, coming back to religion, like it's really interesting because there's so many religious, like Christian stories in the tarot cards. Um, And even, you know, when you go through, like walk through beautiful churches in Europe, you'll see all the tarot cards actually drawn on the walls because they're the religious stories. And the reason for this is back in those days, not everybody could read. And so the best way to translate or convey a religious story or a message would be to do it through a picture. And that's where a number of the cards uh, have originated from. So um, temperance is certainly one of those, which is about that, you know, the grounding and the connection and the balance um, between sort of feelings and the material world. Um, Even the death card where we see, um, you know, this scary-looking skeleton on a horse, which really does mean metaphorical change. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've seen that in this beautiful cathedral in Spain where, again, they have this um, the sort of the death messenger and even with the Pope standing in front of him or a religious figure. And, you know, the message of that is that change comes through to everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what your social standing is. So, yeah, it's a long story, but um, the major arcana in particular has come through that storytelling as well. And then the court cards, you know, these are your, like, page, knight, king and queen. And obviously at that time, you know, very much the royal families were very um, influential and so that started to appear into the tarot deck. And then after that, you know, after it being a tarot card, like a game, Then it started being used more as a divination tool and uh, a lot of the um, Roman gypsies would pick up the cards and use it more as a sort of fortune-telling tool. And then I think it was like in the maybe around the 1960s, in fact, that's when tarot kind of made a resurgence. And at that point, things really shifted towards tarot being used more as a self-help tool or a psychology tool. And I think now, you know, what are we, 2018 now? Um, we're really seeing that really locking in and I believe this is kind of the the way of tarot is that we're using it to understand ourselves and to connect in with a higher version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So this major and minor arcana cards, can you give us just a little bit more insight into what that means just for someone that's completely lost at those terms? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Not me. So, I mean, I'm not lost. No. <laughs> You've done your six-week course. It's all good. <laughs> um, so with the the major arcana cards, there's 22 of those, and these include cards like the fool, the magician, the high priestess, empress, and so on. And these cards at a high level are very much about 
you know, karmic lessons. This is stuff that you can't really run away from. And they represent those phases in your life. You know when you're just like you're dealing with stuff and no matter what situation you're finding yourself in, there's this, this constant undercurrent or this constant theme that keeps playing out. So that's really what the major arcana cards speak to. And then the minor arcana cards, you have 56 of those, so it's 78 cards in a deck. And with the minor arcana, these are more about, um, I guess, like temporary everyday issues that arise that still have a lesson to teach us, but it's more something that's passing through your life and kind of comes and goes. And then within the minor arcana card, you have these court cards. So there's 16 court cards, and that's the, you know, the page, the knight, the queen and the king and court cards typically represent aspects of one's personality and you know how we like I mean I could be talking to you I might have a certain I might kind of pull out a certain aspect of my personality then I could go and talk to my kids and I might be a very different personality depending on if they're behaving well or not mm-hmm. um, and so on you know we kind of have we can draw upon these different parts of ourselves and that's how I really see the court cards is, you know, what part of myself am I expressing in my interactions with certain people or even in certain situations? So it can be really neat looking at it in that way as well. Do you have a card that if you ever pull it, you get scared? Do you know what? (laughs) I used to, look, I used to feel that way about a few cards. I mean, like, you know, you've got the death card, you've got the devil, which looks really super scary. Um, a lot of people don't like the Hierophant because it's quite um, a sort of traditional figure and represents like rules and structures and mm. so on. Even the Emperor, some people feel a little bit funny about that card. But I think what's shifted for me is 100%. I see in the Tower, every single card has light and shade. And it's just like everything in our life has light and shade. Even those times where we think, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. This is the best time of my life. You always know that like when you're going through a really peak of good stuff, there's always going to be like a low that, that matches mm-hmm. it. It's a, like it's, it's a universal law. There's always this balancing factor. And so it's the same with Tarot. You might have the devil card, which is about you know, codependency or addiction or those unhealthy attachments we have to people or things. And the flip side of that, though, is that the devil card can also represent a really strong bond with somebody, one where it feels like you're so wrapped up with each other. I mean, you have to be careful that it doesn't go into a codependent kind of relationship, but on the positive side, it can be something that's really, like, amazingly tight and close with somebody. Mm. So I think if there are cards that scare you, um, just check in with yourself and think, number one, like, what's kind of the positive side of this card? And how do I see that playing out with this negative card? But also what's triggering you about this card? Yeah. You, like why, why are you getting scared of it? And Madeline, do you mind me asking? Do you have a, a card that, you're, that you sort of feel a bit worried about? No, no. I just thought that would be a different a kind of interesting question. Just in case. Yeah. I actually don't. <laughs> I really don't. Um, to be honest, I haven't, I haven't used too much tarot. I, like I, I... I have one tarot deck it's the fountain tarot deck if you've seen that oh yes that's beautiful yeah it's really beautiful I was really drawn to it because of the it has a very soft like watercolor vibe but um it's also very um what word am I it's like exuberant at the same time something about it is like it hits me in in the feels like just oh it's Mm. so beautiful but um man I, I just have this is one of those interviews where I just have like question after question after question because it, it's just it's so fascinating to me and this is also new what what is your favorite spread like what is a spread and what's your favorite spread to do either on a daily basis or something that you do quarterly yeah awesome so um in tower you basically ask a question you shuffle the cards and you lay them out and so a tower spread is effectively the layout that you do so sometimes people will just lay out cards without any it's just kind of a general reading but sometimes you might lay out cards with like the first card will be the past the next card will be the present and then the next one will be the future 
So a very simple past, present, future. Um, you might have heard of the Celtic Cross as well, which is a 10-card spread, which is good for general situations. Um, for me, when it comes to using spreads, I typically create spreads on the fly, as in I really like to connect in with what's being asked, what are the deeper questions here, like what's really the undercurrent of this question, and then I kind of break it down into little mini questions that help me answer the bigger question. So when I'm reading either for myself or for other people, it's often a very customised spread that is in resonance with that particular situation at that particular time. Um, that said, I do have some favourites, like for a daily card reading, sometimes I'll ask myself, um, you know, what energy do I need to bring in today to be in my highest version or my highest good? Um, I might even do it more as a creative exercise and I'll just pull a card to say, okay, like what, what should I do today? <laughs> what can I do? Um, and for example, you know, I might pull a card that shows a woman by water and then great, I'm off to the beach <laughs> and I'm going to meditate down mm -hmm. there. Um, so it can be a really fun and creative tool in that respect. Um, and then in terms of say more like, I guess cyclical spreads, I love using a new moon spread and a full moon spread. And I don't use it every single time, like every single moon cycle, but when I do use it, it's incredibly powerful because you're working with these natural cycles that are happening. And I, I mean, I live on the Sunshine Coast here um, in a rainforest, so we have like the moonlight just streaming through our bedroom window, no curtains. Uh, so I'm very connected with the moon. So having those spreads can really help. And say with the new moon, um, with the new moon spread, it's very much about what intentions am I setting for the next two weeks? And then when it comes to the full moon, I'm looking at what have I achieved? What have I grown over this last two-week cycle? And now what am I ready to release and let go of and surrender to? So those two are really yummy ones that I most enjoy. Mm, I like that. I like that idea a lot. I've seen many people hop on Instagram and take pictures of their full moon spreads, but I've never done that myself. Um, yeah, but I have wanted to do that. It just, for some reason it felt daunting. It felt intimidating because I wasn't exactly sure what that kind of spread looks like. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because I think this is what holds people back from reading Tauris. They think, oh my goodness, I've got 78 cards to learn. I've got to learn all these spreads. I've got to do everything right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got to do all my, like, I've got to do the four directions before I start. I need to know what my incantation is <laughs> and all of these kinds of things. And unfortunately what happens, <clears throat> excuse me, um, unfortunately what happens is we then just get completely overwhelmed. We don't do a tarot mm -hmm. reading and we've missed out on such a beautiful opportunity. So this is what I encourage you to do. And like this applies to so many things. Like if you want to do a full moon spread, just connect in with, okay, what does the full moon mean for me? And, and I know for me, it's all about release and, and letting go. What about like for you, what does full moon represent for you? The same thing. Yeah. Full moons definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so just break it down into a couple of mini questions and it might just simply be, what do I need to release on this full moon? That could be it. There's one card and you've, you've got a full moon reading. Um, you might go a little bit deeper and say, how can I surrender? Um, or, you know, I find also with the full moon, it's about illuminating things that we may have been keeping in the shadows for a little bit. So what is this full moon illuminating for me? And just draw a card. And... The other neat thing is you might do that for this full moon, but when you come through to the next full moon, you might connect with it in a different way and have slightly different questions. That becomes that full moon spread. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. don't feel like you have to have it all done in a certain way. I think when we're working with the cards intuitively, it's really important that instead of, instead of like the tarot informing our intuition, it's really our intuition informing the tarot in a way. So we're checking in first internally, what do I most need right now? And then we're using the tarot to help us go deeper with that and to help us get into our subconscious and the, you know, those unseen energies that are around us as well. So you've already got the answers. You've already got all those spreads inside of you. It's just about bringing them out and doing it in a way that you feel confident. 
Yeah, I, I love that you provided the example of pulling one card. Like, start somewhere simple. And yeah. like I was saying, I hop on Instagram and I see all these spreads and people have like their special feathers and they have one stone per card that they lay gently on top and then they have their notebook and then they have a circle somehow there and then a line in the middle and this and that blah, blah, blah. and it's like all these different things and I think that's really wonderful as well having some sort of ritual that really works for you if it's a whole deal like a two-hour process of diving deep and spending quality time with your cards in the moon and if you don't feel confident in going full-on all-out into that direction, pull one card and be fully with that one card. I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah. It's it's like yoga too. I always freak out about yoga because I think, oh, an hour class. Oh, I don't have time. But really, you know, you can practice yoga in just a simple breath or even just stretching your arms up is a way of just reconnecting in with your body. So again, like you said, it just doesn't have to be this overcomplicated process uh, what's most important is that you're just taking some time to check in and connect with yourself. That's the important thing. The other day I, I pulled out my, my fountain deck and I, it's just so interesting to me how synchronistic the cards I was pulling, boom, 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 all in a row, like for a week, they were all pointing to the same exact thing. And I would say about a month and a half ago, I talked a lot on the podcast about this. So my followers are fairly um, used to hearing me talk about this, but I was going through a very interesting period of uncertainty and feeling like I've outgrown a certain stage of my life. It was very apparent in my life. Like I have outgrown living here. I have outgrown doing certain behaviors. I've just outgrown a lot, but I don't know what's next. And I decided, well, let's just pull a card. Let's see where this goes. I forgot exactly what it was, but the card, I forgot the name, but the card was all about, you have accomplished your mission. It's okay to let go now. You're moving forward into the unknown and that's perfectly fine. It was so beautiful and it was so comforting. And and I was just like, this is, this is so, it was so spot on. It was just like, you're about to go into the unknown. It's totally cool. And you're probably scared, but go with it. And the next card was like, the next day I pulled a card and it was like, you have a lot of choices for what's next. And a lot of them are all around the unknown and it's totally fine. Just pick one choice because you've got a lot right now. Just pick one thing and settle into that. And it was almost as if these cards were guiding me one step at a time. Like the first one was like, we see ya, we gotcha. You're going into the unknown, it's totally cool. And the next one was like, all right, you're in the unknown, so here's the next step. And the next one after that was like, go take one action with that one thing you've decided you're gonna step into. It was, I kid you not, like one step after the other perfectly aligned for me. And that's when I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really liking tarot. This is, this is beautiful. This is me. And it's not always going to happen that way, but it certainly did that one time. And I just, it really helped me. It helped me a lot just to gain clarity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a good example of where tarot just, it, it, ha it does good. It's good. <laughs> As in, you know, that, that brought ease and peace to your mind and that enabled you to become consciously aware of the idea of surrendering and letting go and just being part of this journey and once that's in your conscious awareness then you don't necessarily have to do anything with it but it just being in your awareness that everything's going to be okay it just changes everything just changes the way that you're seeing the world how you interact with your world and so on so I think tarot is really in, in like empowering in that way because it does bring what might you might have known it deep within you but it hasn't been brought into your conscious awareness just yet and once it's there that's when things can start to manifest and um you know things can really start to change for good mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's why i love it so much so what is yeah. the difference between tarot and and oracle cards we heard the history of it so that probably helps quite a bit with knowing what the difference is but for anyone that's that doesn't even know what oracle cards are what is the biggest difference between the two yeah, I think tarot is very much more um, structured and there's certain like there's certain kind of rules, I guess, to tarot, 
whereas oracle cards can be anything and everything that you want them to be. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there's 78 cards in a tarot deck. Sometimes, it's like some deck creators get a bit creative, they add in an extra card or two, but basically there's 78 cards, whereas... With the oracle cards, you know, you might have 44 cards, you might have 100, you might have 10. It really doesn't matter. Um, From a more energetic perspective, oracle cards typically tend to be on the more positive side, you know, very uplifting messages, you know, you've got this, you can do it, those kinds of things. (laughs) <laughs> which which I think, you know, it's they're great, like, if you need that message. And it also, you know, <clears throat> oracle cards can be great for ending a reading or just rounding out a tarot reading. Whereas on the flip side, you've got tarot there sitting with, like, your death and the devil card. So, like, it's going to call you out. <clears throat> the tarot will call you out um, if, you know, if there's a shadow side that you're not fully um, – seeing just yet and it will also say when things are looking really good too but I think with tarot you've just got to be more ready for what I think is a more realistic um, perspective or a more I don't know maybe like more grounding um, perspective that's that's got that light and shade as well and again like with tarot structurally you've always got like the four suits sometimes people play around with the suits they add in an extra suit um, and so suits are like your cups, uh, pentacles, swords, and wands cards, and they each are aligned with the different elements of like earth, water, air, and fire. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and you'll find that there's always those different suits across tarot. But again, in oracle cards, there is there is no similarity in in structure it's kind of i i sort of say like oracle cards are a bit more like the wild west you can just do whatever Mm -hmm. you want oracles land whereas tarot is a little bit more like being in school and yeah you have much more much more structure there Mm -hmm. and actually the other little piece i want to add in is with oracle cards i find like it's very hard to do say a 10 card oracle reading because the messages in the oracle cards are kind of like really big themes, like they're big chunky messages, whereas tarot you can easily do a 10-card reading because each card is a little bit more of like, I don't know, it's like a little bit more contained or a little bit more of a segment of life, whereas those oracle cards are that kind of really big stuff, if that makes sense. Oh, that's that makes so much sense to me. Like I'm imagining pulling, I have the, the guidance, the goddess guidance oracle deck, which I adore um but I'm I'm imagining pulling like 10 of those cards and it would basically just be all of life on the table like it would just be like one would be about relationships one would be about uh going outside one would be about like maybe the uncertainty like it would just cover every single thing and I feel like it would be extremely broad so I I I feel good about pulling one card at a time with my oracle deck that I have I mean maybe other people definitely find a lot more guidance doing full-on spreads with their their oracle deck but I could I could definitely see what you're talking about and how it would be much more driven and focused with a tarot deck yeah and I kind of see like I see oracle cards like dessert and I see tarot cards as like just separate ingredients so Mm. you can always put separate ingredients and make like a yummy dinner or yummy dessert whereas like dessert you can really only have one dessert until you start feeling sick. Like there's just two, you can't have challenge accepted. (laughs) That's very true. So yeah, it's, and, and you know, the dessert, it's sweet. It's enjoyable, but there's only so much that you can have. Um, You don't want to get too overloaded. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Um, All right. Okay. There's so many questions that I want to ask you. (laughs) Narrowing it down here. Um, I'll ask you, oh, so I'm, I, I'm curious about, yeah, this is a question I'm going to go with. Reversal versus non-reversal. This came in from um, a guest of, uh, a, a, a listener of my show asking, mm-hmm. she she had heard of other people who do not believe in reversals. Are reversals a legit thing or are they not a legit thing? And what are they? <laughs> so I I love reversals. I think they add so much more to a reading. However, I also respect that not everybody likes to use reversals. So I'm not saying that it's you must read with reversals. Um, the other neat thing is with 
the way I see reversals is a little bit different to the way I guess a lot of people see reversals. So if you open most tarot books and you read the reverse meanings, oftentimes it's about, oh, this thing's really bad or it's it's kind of like the opposite of the upright message. Oh gosh, and I should probably take a step back here. So you have a tarot card and the upright card <laughs> is when the picture's facing upright and then the reversed version of it is that it's been turned upside down, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. so the picture's upside down. So just so we're clear. So typically reverse tarot card meanings tend to be quite negative and kind of disastrous and awful and not very nice. So I get why a lot of people go, oh, I'm not reading with reversals. Like there's already enough like darkness in this world. I don't need to add more. However, I came across a, um, a way of reading reversals from um, a couple of different readers and it's where you start to look at the upright card is the outward expression of that energy and then the reverse card is the inward expression of that energy. So what do I mean by this? Um, let's say you've got uh, the Ten of Cups. It shows a beautiful family. They're dancing under this rainbow. It is like literally all unicorns and rainbows. And the upright version of that card is that maybe you're creating this beautiful happiness with your family. You know, you're spending time, like quality time together over the weekends. You're enjoying each other's company. So that's the upright version. The reversal of that is how are you taking that energy and interpreting it like, well, kind of like bringing it inside of you. So maybe it is that you're having um, positive thoughts about family. Maybe you don't, you haven't manifested a happy family, but maybe you're starting to visualize what it would feel like to have that kind of happy family environment. So all the work is actually starting within you and it's happening on a more private basis. So it's kind of like all just inside of you versus outside of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 have definitely pulled cards before and read the reversals. I pulled one about, I think it was, um, yeah, it was for me and my, my boyfriend and we're about to go travel together. And the card said something along the lines of this new relationship is blossoming and it's going to have a beautiful road ahead. Um, secretly though, I pulled a reversal and it was like, there's going to be destruction in your new relationship or something like that. <laughs> oh, put that one away. I don't do reversals anymore. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I was like, oh, listen to how sweet this one is. Um, so how would you then interpret that if, 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 if I pulled one and I did pull in a reversal and it said something like there's going to be plenty of problems in the future there, you just let it go and say, never mind. It'd be nice to be able to do that, but unfortunately, (laughs) once a card's pulled, it's it's out there. So I think it's important that firstly you decide how you want to interpret reversals. So if you do want to try out this concept of external versus internal expression, um, what I would do is read the upright version and think, okay, how is that going to be expressed internally within me? And in fact, I typically see reversals in a relationship reading about like how are you in this relationship or kind of more so like what's going on inside of you that may affect the relationship not how you're interacting with your partner but actually how what your thoughts your feelings your own personal actions are in the way that they may impact that relationship um so I don't know do you remember what the actual card was I don't I don't but I I see I see what you're saying and I really like that because I could absolutely look at the dynamic of living together with him so quickly after we started dating and and I do admit that there's going to be like there of course there's going to be roadblocks anytime you're living with someone there's going to be roadblocks you know no doubt Mm. and living with someone so soon after meeting each other and, and dating and already jumping into that definitely and so it's not scary it's expected and reading that also can give me some perspective of the first part of the card of you're going to have many magical adventures and it's going to be beautiful and there's going to be the struggles. It's the dark and it's the light. So the reversal to me, honestly, it isn't bad. And it's, it's, 
it's a um, it's a foreshadow for what I already know to be true, and it gives me plenty of time to prepare. How mm. can we nurture this? How can we already know there's going to be those blocks coming up? So how can we nurture our relationship to both get our alone time, to both work on our communication skills, so that we can have the first part of the card, the upright card? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and I think. You know, you're, you're touching on this idea of well, what do you do when you get a card that you don't want or like the message is supposedly bad. Um, and again, there's always, there's never any bad messages. I think just as you said, sometimes we, when we become consciously aware of a potential issue, then we can actually do something about it. And just as you say, like you can be well prepared. Okay, maybe there might be some issues around communication coming up. Awesome. Let's make sure we have a chat about how we communicate and maybe we set up some new agreements so that we can avoid that altogether. And that's also touching into um, our future's not set in stone. So even though your reading might show, okay, you've got communication issues coming up, you're like, great, let's put in place some strategies to deal with that. And then you can actually avoid or maybe not so much avoid, but at least minimize those issues. Whereas if you didn't have that knowledge, if you weren't in that space of awareness, then you might hit those issues and go, what is this? Oh my gosh, no, not for me, you know, and, and completely, you know, lose track in that relationship. But you're doing something very different and much more proactive and empowering as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that tidbit on what do you do whenever you pull something you don't really love. Um, okay, so I want to go over to the divine deep dive round. But before we do that, can you please share with us a little bit about your new book? Yes, so I'm super excited that um, in September I'm launching my new book. It's called Everyday Tarot, Unlock Your Inner Wisdom and Manifest Your Future. And it's very much about what we've been talking about today. It is not a here's how to learn tarot book. It is not another tarot card meanings book, but it is much more a book about how do you integrate tarot into your everyday life and use it to help you connect with your intuition and make better decisions as you go along throughout your life journey. And so there are chapters in there about using tarot for relationships. Um, and, you know, even with that, like there's a beautiful daily self-love ritual that you can do. There are readings that you can do with your partner. Even if, you know, your partner knows nothing about tarot, I'll guide you through a beautiful process where you can actually create these new agreements or commitments to one another using tarot as part of that process. Um, there's chapters on tarot and ritual, so certainly connecting in with the natural cycles. Um, you know, work, career, manifestation, decision-making, you name it. So it's just a really yummy, juicy book designed not just for people who have been reading tarot forever, but also for people who might be new-ish to tarot and want to use tarot in a way that has more meaning for them and, you know, is more of a practical, grounded way of working with the cards. Mm. So, yes, that, that comes out on September 18th and it's available for pre-order right now over at everydaytarot.com. Oh, perfect. And that book sounds very much one of a kind. Like I haven't heard of anything like that yet. It sounds beautiful. Yeah. So I'm excited to get yeah. it. Amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. So I will have a link to that for pre-order on the show notes for this episode. Um, this is episode 219. If you are listening to this later on, just go back to my website, find it, and you will find the link for that there. And where can people connect with you on social media or anywhere else online? Yeah, so our main website is biddytarot.com and we're most active on Facebook and Instagram, both with the um, Biddy Tarot uh, handle. So yeah, we'd love to connect um, either through our website or through social. Perfect. Okay, so this is basically a quick fire round, but some of the questions aren't the easiest, so I don't call it quick fire. It's the divine deep dive round. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, some of these <laughs> questions will be tarot-oriented um, because they're coming to me. More things I didn't ask. Okay, first question. What is one must-read book? Oh, my goodness. Um, one must-read book. Do you know, I love the book The Big Leap, 
and it talks so much about zones of genius and doing your zone of genius work. Have you read that one? Uh, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. There's a fish jumping out of a, a bowl, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I found that's that's very memorable book for me. Yeah. How many decks do you travel with? Usually, actually, usually one tarot deck and one oracle deck, which is the Sacred Rebels deck by Alana Fairchild. I think it's super juicy. And which one is the the tarot that you travel with? Well, actually, so <laughs> along with our book, Everyday Tarot, we're also launching a new tarot deck called Everyday Tarot. And that is now, it's like a beautiful, like mini size and it's perfect for travel. So that is the one that I take around with me now. Oh, Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I'll make sure that I have the link to the Oracle deck in the show notes as well for anyone that hears that. Um, okay. What do you want to be praised for more than anything in this world? Hmm. I think I want to be praised for inspiring other people to really believe in themselves and to really trust their intuition. I, I want other people to feel that as a result of maybe what I've created or started for them, but ultimately I want it to be happening within them. That's mm. that's what I want to be praised for, inspiring what's, that action. What's your favorite road trip snack? Oh, gosh. Uh, let me see. Do you know, we, we make a lot of like sugar-free um, raw slices. So like, you know, bliss balls and... I don't know, chocolate nut slices that are super yummy. So, yeah, let's just go for bliss balls. <laughs> when I hear bliss balls, I totally think of Australia. Like, I oh, went really? to, yes, like, you Australians love bliss balls. It's like your favorite thing ever. If I know anything about Australians, which is very little, I know you love bliss balls. And maybe that's because my experience is limited with Australians. But when I was in Thailand visiting one of my Australian friends she just had all these bliss balls and talked about bliss balls and then her friend came to town who's also from Australia and she was all about the bliss balls and she packed bliss balls and you love bliss balls and I've never heard anyone in America call it a bliss ball we call it like an energy ball or a date ball but y'all are like it's so cute I love it it's really adorable bliss balls oh, I'm glad bliss they're balls. good okay um what is your spirit animal Oh, the eagle. Yeah, I really connect with the eagle. It's very kind of high-level, strategic, big-picture thinking. What's your favorite scent? Mm, sandalwood. Oh, I love sandalwood. So good. Yeah, a bath with sandalwood mm, in it. Yum. That's the body wash I have. It's a sandalwood, and it's just oh, it's so good. And I just got a candle mm. that's sandalwood, and I'm waiting for it to arrive. I'm so excited. Oh. Um, what is one thing you cannot live without? <laughs> First thing that popped in my head was oxygen. Um, <laughs> and it actually is because I think breathing, and, and I, again, I'm not doing this tongue in cheek, but just when I connect with my breath, the breathing part, it just grounds me so much more. So I find it's just such a simple thing that I can have that will just help me keep grounded wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. So I can't live without breathing and yeah. I'm not being facetious, I promise. <laughs> no, it's a good answer. <laughs> um, what's one thing you want to live without? Oh, my iPhone. I oh. hate it. Mm -hmm. I love it and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I definitely feel you. Yeah. Too bad our businesses like totally need an iPhone. <laughs> We need our yeah. we need our technology for online businesses. But if we didn't, uh -oh. then maybe we could get away with it. I don't know. Maybe we can challenge that because maybe we don't. I mean, a laptop, maybe that suffices. And then, I don't know. I think I might try and lose. No, I shouldn't say lose my iPhone because then I'll buy another one. That's no good. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, am, I just imagine like not being able to have the convenience of quickly putting up an Instagram post from my phone and having to do it. I don't even think you can do it on the computer. No, I know. I'm lucky that my team can do. Oh, that's right. You got a team. Yeah. That's it. You can lose your phone. Try it. I know. It I think I might stash it somewhere. <laughs> okay. I will pick one more question. And that question is, hmm, what is a social norm you think is ridiculous? I think it's that 
intuition is silly and frivolous because I strongly believe it is our superpower and it's something that we should stand by and be incredibly proud of that we know how to connect with that intuition and use it in our everyday lives. Mm, I could not agree more. That was perfect. Thank you. Beautiful place to leave off to. Thank you, Bridget, so much for coming onto the podcast. You are, I think, the first guest to talk about tarot. And wow, what a beautiful first conversation around tarot. I feel like an expert, but I'm totally not. But thank you for giving me that feeling. You are amazing. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. And yeah, really happy to talk about tarot and excited to see where you take tarot as well. I think, you know, you're at the very beginning of your journey and, and yeah. It's wide open for you. It's great. I am. I'm so excited. So thank you. It's like it's like whenever you see someone else reading your favorite book for the first time, like I get to experience all of that. So thank you for um, sharing with my audience and with me your beautiful knowledge on all of this and helping everyone, especially that has blocks to allowing tarot be something in their life, um, have that encouragement to let go of it and to discover for themselves if it's something for them. So thank you. I think that was a really important piece that we shared on this and you explained it so beautifully. Thank you. My pleasure. The show notes for this episode, everyone will be at maddiemoon.com slash Bridget dash Esselmont. So just head on over there if you want to check out all the links that we talked about today and read the show notes for our conversation. I am currently in Costa Rica. So if I am not being active on social media that is why but i will be back with another podcast next week i'm so excited to speak with all of you then and till then have a wonderful wonderful weekend 